Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey everybody, yeah, it's that time of week again. It's me, Dr. Fuck! And guess who's here? That's, That's right. Oh yeah, the Rolling Rock's been cracked. Uh, what's that, like your sixth crack of today? Yeah, more like 12. Uh, introduce yourself, buddy. Ah, you know who it is. It's Ian Wadley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola. That's right, drinking them bears, getting all fucked up while I'm over here uh, suffering because I can't drink anymore. Uh, anyway, so enough of my misery. Um, it is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Show, and we have something very special for this week. Which I, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's kind of lame that we're uh, reviewing this album to be our first episode on ThatMetalStation.com. That's right. That's right. We've been added to ThatMetalStation.com. They love us so much over there. They said, please, can we air your show? So uh, when are they airing our show over there at uh, ThatMetalStation.com, Ian? Oh, this is so awesome. I got to give a big thanks to Scott Green, the, the Donald Trump of metal internet radio. We are that at that metal station radio, or I'm sorry, thatmetalstation.com, and you can catch us at 12 noon on Sundays and 12 midnight on Thursdays. That's awesome. So awesome. We're so glad to be part of this station. Uh, man, they got a great lineup. They got great DJs. It's metal as fuck, and we are glad to join this uh, program. It's awesome. And I also want to add that now that we're on that metalstation.com, we're going to do something a little different than all the past episodes. When we're done with our show, the show's not really done. Me and Ian here are going to turn into DJs, and we're going to be playing songs of our personal collection to turn you guys on to. That'll be in future episodes. I will explain later what we'll be doing at the end of this show. Uh, but before we get into our review... Which, uh, believe me guys, I don't know how Ian feels about Theater of Pain, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, our, uh, we'll review better albums, man, in the future. Oh, wham, wham, wham. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Anyway, so, uh, uh, tell me, tell me you, you, you glam, you glam poser fan. Uh, what, what, what's in the, what's in the, the damn, uh, news this week, man? All right, well, for our new listeners, this is how we start off the show now with current events. And uh, let's talk about, it was announced this week that the new Whitesnake album is coming out. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't like this news, by the way. Yeah, yeah, this is the new Whitesnake album with the new lead guitarist, uh, Joe Hoekstra, who previously played with uh, Night Ranger. He replaced Doug Aldrich. But uh, he's doing an all-cover album of the songs he did with Deep Purple. Boo. It's big- yeah, it's going to be called White Snake, the Purple Album. Uh, ha- have you heard uh, the single from this album that they already put out? No, what is it? Uh, they do a new version of Stormbringer. Ugh, I love Stormbringer. I love Oh, I, I love I, Mark III of Deep Purple. I, I'm a huge fan I of it. Love that album, but I'll tell you what. I, I heard it already, and uh, musically, 
I kind of like how they changed it. I like the little shit they'd have. I mean, it's not the original, but I like what they did with it. What I don't like is the vocals. Uh, David Coverdale, who I think has an incredible voice, he does kind of like a whisper kind of vocal. You know, it's like not like truly singing it, but whispering it. Oh, and uh, I mean, I don't give a fuck. I'm a, I'm gonna check it out anyway because I love White Snake and I love Deep Purple. But uh, yeah, I, I would have rather hoped for a brand new studio album because I really enjoyed Forever, uh, the last White Snake album. Did but, you see? Uh, it, did you see the track listing for this yet? Yes, I did. Oh, yes, so did. are there any tracks from Come Taste the Band? Yes, yes. Oh, there okay. Are. Yeah, well, uh, well yeah. I mean, I'd be excited if. But yeah, I mean, I love Come Taste the Band. I think that. Oh. One right of the out. most underrated Deep Purple albums, for sure. Oh, oh, by far. A lot of people dismiss it because Blackmore wasn't on it, but Tommy Boland did an incredible job. Tommy Boland's God. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, this is kind of perplexing to a lot of fans. But uh, I'm gonna check it out, you know, and 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 you know, I'll talk about it when it comes out, and I'll be honest about it. Right now, I'm kind of eh on the Stormbringer, but I'm still I, gonna check it out. I just hate people that remake songs. Especially people that 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 remake their own songs or songs they already oh, performed. Think, did you ever hear that Twisted Sister when they re-recorded? That is the by album? far the worst I've heard out of all. Oh, of them. horrible! Still hungry. Oh my god, that was horrendous. Oh, that, and I was and, actually excited for that one. Yeah, and and I love Dee Snider. I love Twisted Sister, but that shit was horrible. Really, really bad. And uh, no, but they're all bad. Look, Megadeth. All those Megadeth re. Reasons. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, those were remasters that he re-recorded. No, no, they re-recorded. He re-recorded vocals and everything. Oh, yeah, I know. It was terrible. Especially the MD-45 album that he he replaced Lee Bing's vocals with his. Um, or, I, I haven't heard that. I actually heard the original version, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that. When I did see the news, uh, you know, the Purple album, and he's redoing the Mach 3 stuff. I mean, I love that stuff. Burn, Stormbringer... Uh, and then I guess Mach 4 would be Tommy Bowen, right? Right. Well, I love those three albums I love, man. Uh, be honest with you, I'm more of a Mach 2 fan, but man, Burn is such a great album. That, to me, is the best out of all three. But, um, yeah, I think it's lame. I think David Coverdale should, uh, I don't know. I, I, I got something, some news to say. Um, I, I don't know if this was part of your thing, uh, Ian, but if it was, I apologize. Not really. Um, Go ahead. The I heard new Scorpions. Was that part of your yes. news this week? No, no, no. But I did send that to you. What'd you think? Oh, you sent it to me. Yeah. Okay, I gotta check my Dropbox. No, no. I heard a song online, and uh, man, I don't know, man. To me, man, what what happened to Scorpions after Love at First Thing? Is it me? I don't know. I I just can't I... get into the Scorpions anymore. I, I haven't heard it, but I've heard nothing good about it. And and I, you know, the, I, I'm 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 so bad. I even like Savage Amusement. I know it's it's terrible, but I like it. Which is that one? Is that the one with um, a lo- Rhythm like, of Love? Oh yeah, that's horrendous, man. Yeah, yeah, I like Passion Rules of Game. Another song off. I know it's terrible, but I Ugh, like it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I totally checked out by the time Crazy World came out. But I, yeah, I haven't heard the new song, but I've heard nothing good about it. Alien Nation. I know some people will be like, oh, but how about Alien Nation, the Dark Scorpions album? No, man. I'm more, I mean, I love the Uli stuff. That's kind of like my favorite, but at the same time, love Oh, hell yeah. Uli John Roth. Yeah, that's my favorite Scorpions lineup, but at the same time, my favorite album is Love Drive. 
But boy, I worship animal magnetism, blackout, and love at first thing. Love at first thing was showing a little bit of a decline, but not that much. It still had some great songs on it. But uh, it still was a good, solid album. After that, they just lost me. And I tried. I've heard everything. Everything Scorpion's done after uh, 1984. So for 31 years, I have not been able to get into the Scorpions. I heard the new Scorpions, and I was like, man. Ugh. But hey, well, they had a great run. What's, is, is it too commercial? What's the problem with it? I, it's just a song that just doesn't grab me. Just like it's everything else they've done. It just doesn't grab me. It's not like, you know. So, so it sounds like UFO? No, I love UFO. And actually, UFO, um, they've had a couple clunkers with, uh, is my opinion, though, with Vinnie Moore. But I, I forgot the name of the last time. I really liked it, the last one. And A Walk on Water, the last uh, uh, the last uh, album they did with Michael Shanker is one of their that's best. Not the la- that's not the last album they did with it. That was the first one back. He did a couple albums. Oh, uh, that's again. what I meant. The first one he did when he came back. That's like one of their, my favorite UFO albums. But this ain't about UFO. This is about the Scorpions and God, you know. What the hell happened, man? Oh, but I also want to add that Claus Main is still an incredible singer. And one of my favorite singers at all time that if he was to die, everybody would have him on their Facebook page as the main picture talking about what a great singer and one of their favorite artists. You don't hear yeah. nobody talking about Claus Main uh, now. But if he was to die, everybody would be, like, praising him. Like, everybody's praising Spock. May he rest in peace. That's right. But, uh, uh what uh, what other news? Uh, there well, 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 you already touched on one I was going to bring up later, but I want to lament the passing of Leonard Nimoy and uh, our beloved Mr. Spock. I am a fucking Trekkie. Okay. And uh, I love Spock, but you know what? Fuck it. He was 83 years old. That's a goddamn good life. If anybody lives to be 83, you can't fucking bitch. Well, I got to tell you, I am not a Star Trek fan. I'm not a Trekkie. But in your words, but I really liked uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, his uh, role in it. He oh, was, hell yeah. He was like the coolest body snatcher dude. Like, you didn't know he his body was snatched because he was so cool about it. Where everybody else was kind of like a zombie. He was like the smartest... Uh, pod grown from a pod. I, you saw that movie, right? Oh fuck yeah, the '78. Yeah, oh my I, lo- I love that. God, movie. one of my Don- favorite. Donald Sutherland. Donald yeah. Sutherland, one of my favorite. Jeff Goldblum. Yes, one, one of my favorite movies of all time. And he was in it, and he was great. He was awesome in it. So yeah, it's sad. And I did like the In Search of shows. So I was a fan of Leonard Nimoy. I just wasn't a Star Trek fan, but. Yeah, it's sad, man. I was like, yeah, you know, in this day and age, 83 really uh, isn't a time to go either. It was back in the day, but man, he should have, Leonard Nimoy was like a skinny dude, you know, maybe could have, 10 more years, you know, the hell, Mickey Rooney lived to be 200. Yeah. A Vagoda, now that's, I'm not into that Deadpool thing, but boy, if I was, I'd put A A Vagoda in my Deadpool. That guy was old in the 70s, man. I know, and the funny, I drink with Abe Pagoda. He's he, a drinking buddy of mine. Yeah, I know. He asked and, you for advice, too, right? Exactly. And, and I'll tell you what, what a cool dude. What a cool dude. Man, in the 70s, he had gray hair in his eyebrows already. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, anything else? Uh, all right, yeah, more news. Uh, you know, we talked about it last week, and uh, everybody's talking about it. Bruce Dickinson being diagnosed with tongue cancer. Yeah, that's And he's, he's under treatment. And Nico McBrain released this week that they've already recorded the new album. 
they're not going to release it until uh, later this, like late spring, early summer, when Bruce is done with all of his chemo, and then they're going to try to plant some shows around it. But it is already recorded, uh, and and that's that's awesome news because no matter what happens, there will be another Iron Maiden album. Uh, uh, you know, I, I know Ralph is a huge Maiden fucking hater. But no, I love them. That's not true. I, I just oh oh you are. I hate them. I hate them after '84. I love right, early right, made right. right, right. Come on, but Final I, I Frontier. Mean, that was I, I, I love. Yeah. Well, eh, you know, it, it's not the it's not the best. I saw them on that tour. I enjoyed it. I'm wishing the best for Bruce Dickinson. Really? As I know, as I know, you are. I saw that and, tour. Uh, I hated it. And. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I wish the best. I hope the new album is good. I hope they start listening to the fans because a lot of fans are like, "Hey, shorten the songs a little bit. Let's do a, you know a little bit more, you know, two minutes to midnight and a little bit less uh, fucking you know how the wild wind blows or hey, whatever." Hey, hey, hey! Half I, hour I, songs. I gotta tell you, if they're listening to their fans, it ain't in America. They right. don't. They don't like the American fans. That's no. well documented. Okay. Well. It's, they get a lot of shit as like anti, but I get that though. In every other country but America, their albums still chart, their singles still chart. But in America, nobody wants to hear anything past fucking, uh, you know, Seven Sun. And I can see where that's irritating, where the rest of the world is on your side, but America's like, eh, you know? Because I, I saw them on, on the Fear of the Dark tour, and it was fucking, it was despicable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nobody showed. It was like right as grunge was taking over, and, and uh, great openers. I was just talking to Pepper Keenan from Down and uh, and uh, from Coc about this. I was like, "Yeah, the first time I saw you is when you opened up with Maine." He's like, "Yeah, it was us Testament Maine." I was like, "Yeah, I saw the tour, and the attendance was fucking horrible because shit was waning in America, where in the rest of the world they didn't turn their backs on metal like America did." And I'm not hating on America. But we are some fickle fucking bitches when it comes to what's hip, what's current. And, you know, metal just ain't what it is here, what it was in the fucking 80s. And that's sad. And I can see where, like, okay, everybody else loves us. What's your fucking problem? While we worship fucking Kanye West and the fucking Kardashians, everybody else is still like, oh, yeah, Maiden Maiden. And and we're not. So I get why they're pissed. Ah, shut up. I love Motorhead. I think Motorhead still releases quality shit. It's not because I'm, I'm American. You know where Motorhead does best? Germany. Well, that's fine, but I still love... Uh, hey, hey, I would love Maiden if they released good stuff and America hated them just like the, they do now. I just love good music, and I think Iron Maiden has been incapable of good music for now 31 years. Uh, yes, well, that's right. We, After Power Slave, I get... No, 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 no. We, as in a hundred million people, including like ten million Americans, disagree with me. I I'm not going to sit here and think that I am the popular opinion because I'm not. Many people love Somewhere in Time and Seven Sun. Shit, I like No Prayer for the Dying more than those two albums, and I'm not the biggest fan of that album either. But I am a huge Iron Maiden fan. I've been a fan since the first album. I was into Iron Maiden before Killers came out. 
I was a huge fan of that. I was a huge fan of Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind and Power Slave. Huge, huge. Love the hell. And I still love those albums. Matter of fact, I just popped Peace of Mind yesterday on vinyl. Uh, 180 grams. So uh, I don't mean to rant uh, because uh, Ian just ran to the bathroom. But uh, I, I just want to say uh, my, the whole Iron Maiden thing with me. Yeah, I do get a lot of shit from from people on our Facebook page and this and that, which is fine, man. It's just my personal opinion. Am I right? Not to Maiden fans. I'm wrong. And 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 if they like Heaven Can Wait, a song I just can't stand. I honestly feel they're right. I respect anybody's opinion. People get all upset with me, but, you know, people just don't understand. I don't hate fans. I hate bands that do shitty music. And, yes, I feel like Somewhere in Time was shitty. Excuse me, but it's just a fucking opinion. Look, just like the other day, I gotta I gotta bring this up. <clears throat> I do a, um, uh, reviews on, um... Uh, YouTube, and I did this top 10, or top, my favorite Kiss albums, from worst to best, and I put Monster above, uh, I think Destroyer or something, something, and some, some, some genius, like, you know, Einstein motherfucker came, came on and says, you know, if you're gonna put Monster over Destroyer, then, you know, you really aren't authority of anything, and I'm like, Hey, uh, quit patting yourself on the back and sticking your finger up your ass making love to yourself, jackass. You're not the authority of music for me. It's just like I'm not the authority of music for anybody but myself. It's all part of, you know, musical taste, you know? If anybody says, you got great musical taste, that guy's a jackass because he's only saying that because that guy likes what he likes. You don't hear a guy say, man, I hate that band you love. You have great musical taste. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll give you another example. I know I'm on a rant. Uh, by the way, we're on thatmetalstation.com now. <laughs> you Hell yeah. You tune, want, in, tune in Sundays at noon and Thursdays at midnight. You wanted this, you got it, all right? Uh, Frank, hey, Frank. hey, hey, to back up this dude, though, if you take Monster over Destroyer, you do have taste for shit. All right. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. You're drunk. Uh, here's the thing. Ouch. Frank Zappa. Okay. Love him. Me too. I'm a fan of Frank Zappa. I love him. So, since I like Frank Zappa, somebody that likes Frank Zappa would say, you have excellent taste in music. Because you like this avant-garde type guy that really, like, you couldn't, like, can you really put a stamp on Frank Zappa? Yeah, he had jazz, but he had hard rock, he had... Uh, classical, yeah, a lot of weird elements to his you music. You can put a stamp, it's called genius. I thought he was a genius. There was some stuff that was a little overboard for me, but still, stuff like Sheik Your Booty, Overnight Sensation, Freak Out, I love those albums, you know, Joe's Garage. But, um, my point is, is that uh, I'm a Frank Zappa fan, and people that hate Frank Zappa would not say to me, well, since you like Frank Zappa, you have excellent taste in music. No, they'd be like, I hate Frank Zappa, and I think your music taste sucks. You know, you hear what I'm saying, Ian? I hear you. So, my point is, musical taste is very personal. Iron Maiden, if they come to town, I'll go see them, because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the old stuff. I am a dedicated fan that'll go see a band, well, not every band, but let's say, you know, let's say, okay, a good example is Metallica. 
I will not go see Metallica. I'm just... I, I haven't seen Metallica since, like, that Load album. That's the last time I saw their tour. Because it's just like... I, I, that's a band I just won't go see. Iron Maiden, on the other hand, I will go see. I went to go see the Final Frontier tour. I hated that fucking album. When I saw them, they played most of that album. Most of that newer crap I didn't like. They threw out... Uh, what is it? The Trooper and Ratchild and Hallow Be Thy Name. Which was great. Uh, you know, but, you know, I support Maiden, even if they do crappy stuff. But, um, people get really upset with me with the whole Iron Maiden thing, and, uh, y'all just shut up, shut up, you know? It's like, oh, you're, you're more with Deanna fan. Yeah, I am a huge Deanna fan. I prefer Iron Maiden with Deanna Dickinson, but at the same time, I'm a huge fan of Chemical Wedding and, uh, Accident of Birth. Uh, I thought those two albums were fucking great. I like them more than anything Maiden's done since Power Slave. How do you like those apples, Ian? Is that great taste in music or what? Uh, I love those two albums. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you also love that later. But I, I love Brave New World, too. So. You know you know what? I'm not a big fan of Brave New World, but since you like Brave New World, you have excellent taste in music, my friend. Oh, why, thank you. All well, right. spe- speaking of excellent taste... I would like to share one more thing. Before we get into what we're actually talking about this week, I have to talk about this past Sunday. I went to go see Anvil, which was amazing. I love that band. Oh, my God. And uh, I I have to thank Tomas, the drummer from... I hope I pronounced his name right. The drummer from Sunlord. We started talking online. He put me on the guest list. Uh, I showed up, and it, it was funny. Like They hadn't done the guest list stuff yet. So I wasn't on there, but it was only like 12 bucks to see him anyway. And there was like four bands. I was like, you know what? All these bands deserve my money. So I went ahead and paid the money. Uh, and then he texted me later while I'm outside talking to Amber. He's like, oh, you're on the list. Don't worry about it. I was like, hey, man, take my money because you people fucking deserve it. That's I, I got to applaud you for that, Ian. That's cool that you did that. Yeah, and he, even t- he goes, I didn't get you your money back. I'm like, no, keep it. I'm like, you guys... And I, I saw him at a bar here in New Orleans called Siberia, uh, is which is an awesome bar. And that's, Ralph, where I'm trying to get Thrash or Die for when you're coming through. This, this is uh, Iron Reagan's playing there in a couple weeks. Go this see is, him. Go see yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. This would be a perfect place for Thrash or Die. But anyway, Anvil, it's so funny. My buddy's wife's dropping me and my friend off because they know she knows we're going to get fucked up. She goes, I'll drop you off. I see Lips and Rob. Outside the fucking bar, I'm like, pull the fuck over. It's Lips and Rob from fucking Anvil. Man, I, I talked to them. They did uh, they did some promos for our show that we're, you're going to hear in the upcoming weeks. And it's so funny because neither one of them could get the name right. But I didn't pester them to do it again because they were so nice. So when you hear them do it, they're going to fuck up the name. But you know what? They were nice enough to try. And it was a great time. A great show. All the bands... Uh, my buddy, uh, Benj Lee, from, he used to be in a band called Supergroup, and he's now in a band called Cretus. Open Up was awesome. Then you had uh, uh, Tameis and, and my buddies in Sunlord, uh, Lord Dying, and then Anvil. All bands fucking killed. But I got to hang out with Anvil a lot before and after the show. So nice, man. So nice. Lips and Rob were incredible. And... Uh, it was an amazing metal show, man. And watching Rob Reiner play drums. Holy shit. This guy's a fucking beast. And I think he's... God damn it. In his 50s, I believe now. Amazing. I mean, just incredible. 
incredible. It was a great show. I did take off the next day from work because I got so fucked up. I was like, I'm going to be good. No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I got so fucking trashed on a fucking draft PBR that I did not make it in the next day. But it was an incredible show. Anvil, if they come around, go see him. Go see him. Such, such nice guys, man. Signed my T-shirt. I got CDs signed. I got all kinds of shit. And here's the most important part. We're going to have them on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast soon. Soon. I have, I have all the info. I just got to set up the dates. Coming soon. Anvil will be on our show. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Lips and Rob. You know, yeah, I'd love to get them both. Or maybe we'll do one episode with Lips and we'll do one episode with Rob. I would love to do that. It was an incredible, incredible time. Everybody, check out Anvil. If they come anywhere near you, they deserve... Give them your money. Give them your time. You will not be disappointed. Anvil fucking rock. Cool, man. Oh, man. I'm glad you had a good time. I saw Anvil twice, and both times they were phenomenal. I love Anvil. Uh, some people don't, but, you know, those people have sticks up their ass. But I've always been an Anvil fan. I, I, I've, I've owned Metal metal, uh, metal on Metal since, like, pretty much when it came out, like, in 84. I think I think it came out '83 or something, but I, I owned it like around then. Uh, Forge of Fire, I've always owned, and uh, but yeah, I did kind of lose touch in that because you know basically it was hard to get their stuff, and you know I just stuck to those albums. But great, great band, and I'm glad that documentary like pretty much saved their lives. Or I mean, I don't think they would have broken up without you know even if that documentary didn't exist because that's a band. That man, if, if love them or hate them, you gotta applaud them for you know keeping at it. You know, well, those two actually. Um, great band, yeah, awesome man. Anything else, Ian? That is it. Now, let's get into what this episode is all about, and that is Motley Crue's 1985 album, Theater of Pain. Well, but Ian, set- Ian oh, what I would like ahead. to do with this Go episode ahead. is the same thing we did. With Rush, uh, when we when we did our Rush episode, we we reviewed Farewell to Kings, but we also like you know like what's the word synopsis of their discography. Am sure. I, yeah. So we're gonna like talk about every single Motley Crue album, but we're gonna stop at Theater Pain uh, after we talk about the first two and go by track by track, and then we'll continue to Girls Go Girls and the albums that followed it. So uh, first, I'm gonna go. Uh, you know uh, how I discovered Motley Crue was the magazine. Uh, I saw a picture of them. This was uh, right around the time Electra signed them, and uh, Too Fast for Love was out. I saw a picture of them in the magazine. I was like, "Wow, these guys look like Kiss." And um, then soon after, I saw Livewire on MTV, um, and they would. Put, I remember seeing that Livewire video, and I fell in love with that song. That I needed that album, ran out, bought Too Fast for Love. Don't love it as much as the rest of the world, but I do like the album. I think it's raw and killer. But, you know, I, I think they really found their home on the next album, Shout at the Devil. But before I go into the next album, let's hear what Ian has to say about Too Fast for Love and how he discovered Motley Crue. Uh, well, I discovered Motley Crue through the album that we're going to talk about, uh, Theater of Pain. Uh, for the most part. I did hear a couple songs off of Shout at the Devil. Uh, but at that time, I wasn't quite into the metal yet. It was the next year, 85. 
that I got into metal. Uh, but man, once I heard them and once I saw them, they epitomized what rock stars were to me. The look, the everything. Uh, it was just awesome and, and really, you know, changed my life. And and I'm still a metalhead to this day. And they were one of those initial bands that got me into this genre of music. But, uh, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later. But we might as well start right now with their debut, Too Fast for Love. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I just said what I thought about it. What do you think about it? Oh, um, I dig it. I first got it uh, through Columbia House. Uh, the, the first album I bought was Theater of Pain. And then I went back and uh, ordered Columbia House. I don't know what relative's name I used to get 11 cassettes sent to me for one penny. But uh, I got I got Shot at the Devil and, theater, and uh, Too Fast for Love at the same time. Definitely gravitated more towards Shot at the Devil, but Too Fast for Love is awesome. I'm kind of like you. Uh, it's not my favorite one, but there are some really good songs on it. Uh, but I agree. To me, they really came into their own with uh, with the next one. But there are some all-time classics on, uh, on Too Fast for Love. You want to talk about Shout? Yeah, Shout is my favorite. That one, uh, along with a lot of people. I think that's like the perfect traditional heavy metal album, which back then there was no such thing of a hair band. They weren't called a hair band back then. Motley Crue was called heavy metal during this era. And they were one of the bigger heavy metal bands at the time. I saw I saw them front row open for Ozzy on that tour. I met them um, at Peaches. They did an autograph signing, which 30 years later, this is incredible. I don't know if you saw this, Ian. Did you see this? 30, I don't know. 30 years later, a Facebook page in California put up a picture of that Fort Lauderdale where it's like every, oh yeah you're yeah. in the picture everybody is outside of the peaches like you know with banners and Molly Crew and there I am you see me clearly in the picture holding up my Shout of the Devil vinyl and, and you've got that Wham shirt that says choose life right that's no, you no dude it's Frankie oh. Goes to Hollywood and yes oh, it, okay. yes it was choose life okay okay uh and no, I wasn't. By the way, for the record, no, I was wearing. I don't, I don't know what I was wearing. I think it was just a black shirt. I but, think it's a Rick Springfield shirt. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. Okay. Uh, but but uh, yeah, it's I I, I and you know, a little funny story. Uh, when we when I went up to Mick Mars for him to sign it, they they uh, said only one autograph per person. I was like, oh fuck, I'm here at Mick Mars. I would have rather got Nicky or Vince or. Not against Mick Mars back then, but, you know, I mean, I didn't have a favorite member, but I was like, fuck, man. And Mick Mars, when he signed it, his pen broke, and I still have the vinyl where it has a blotch of silver <laughs> ink on it. But it's still, you know, it said Mick Mars. And I ended up sliding it to Nikki Sick before they kicked me out. Nikki signed and they kicked me out. Then, like, fast forward uh, about 20, yeah, about 20-something years later, Vince Neil was at an opening of a strip club. And I went to it with that Shot of the Devil vinyl, and I had him sign it. So all I needed was Tommy Lee. Fast forward almost 30 years later, and Tommy Lee's playing a solo show here on South Beach where my friend worked the club and got me in for free. The, the show was horrendous, by the way. Tommy Lee on guitar and singing was uh, pretty Ooh, atrocious. Was, was, yeah. was that Methods of Mayhem? No, it was after that. It was, he did a solo Ew. album. 
He did a solo album. I think it's just for fun or so. I forgot the name of the album. Tom, Tom, Tommy Land or something. No, it was before. I know. I know Tommy Land. It was before oh. that. He had a solo album before that. It was just Tommy Lee, oh. and uh, I wanted him to sign the album, and it was impossible to meet him. But they said if you bought a CD, you can meet him and have him autograph it. So I bought that piece of crap CD because I wanted my Shout at the Devil complete, you know? And I, I, and I also had a bootleg vinyl called Painkiller where it's only him on the cover. So I took that along with me because I wanted him to sign that too. And yeah, I got to meet Tommy Lee. He signed it. I told him. I said, you know, it took 30 years to get all four of you to autograph this. And he's like, oh, you aced it, dude. He was really, you know, believe it or not, Tommy Lee was very nice. They were they were all very nice. Well, I mean, Mick and Nikki, I only met them briefly in '84, but Vince Neil was super drunk, but very nice at the strip club. And Tommy Lee was awesome. He was really nice. I took a picture with him before. Now he's like, I don't take pictures with people. You know that about him, right? Yeah, yeah. What an ass. Yeah, he became a douche after that. But he took a picture with me. I guess because I bought his crappy CD. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm. too long-winded on this, but God, I love, I love, I love um, uh, Shout of the Devil. Still love the fuck out of that album. The standout track for me would be Red Hot. God, I love that song. And Bastard. But the whole album, there's not one bad song on that album. I love that Re- whole, whole album. Really not one bad song, huh? Uh, go ahead, Ian. Uh, tell me what you think of Shout of the Devil, and tell me what song don't you like on it. I, I, I love Shot the Devil. To me, that is the all-time best uh, Motley Crue album by far. And that that is... I mean, it's just fucking incredible. But! I can't stay in danger. Wow, I love that song, man. Oh, man, that oh. song is like... Oh, man, I'm so glad it's at the fucking end. Then my best friend died. Lost oh, my mind. Oh, Made oh, me oh. hate. I can't escape. Yeah. I love that yeah. song. To, to me, it's a third-rate uh, version of On With The Show. I think that was never played live. Oh, and for reason. And for reason. Danger's fucking terrible. My standout track, uh, I mean, besides the title track, which I think is the best Motley Crue song ever, uh, would be 10 Seconds to Love. Great song. I, I fucking love 10 Seconds to Love. Ba- I mean, ba- I mean... I, I love every song on that album, but fucking danger. Have you seen me do "Knock 'Em Dead, Kid"? Uh, I think. Oh, I, I, what happened I, was I was at a club. I think I did see that. I was at a club and um, there was a cover band playing, which featured my drummer Alex Marquez, and they asked me to go up there and do "Knock 'Em Dead, Kid," and I was like, uh, "This this this song's in my DNA." And <laughs> come on, how hard is it to do Vince Neil? You know, it was pretty hard, man. Vince Neil's not like that. You know, he gets a lot of shit, but man, try singing a Molly Crew song. The guy sings very high. I nailed it, by the way. Go on YouTube, Dr. Fuck, Knock Him Dead Kid, and see my version of it. I think I did a great job. Maybe I'll have it on this show at the end if I remember. Uh, yeah. Uh, great great album. Uh, still, I, I think everybody, like, if, if you're a Molly Crew fan, and Shout the Devil is not your favorite album, you're probably not a Motley Crue fan. And, that, I mean, and and the demos were good for that album, too. I don't know if you've heard the demos. Yeah, but I, I don't know them offhand. I I'm Will Survive like, was one. Black, Black Widow was Black that one. Black Widow was another one, which, ter- which ended up being uh, God Bless the Children of the Beast, the instrumental. Yeah. 
But that one is God Bless the Children of the Beast with lyrics. But right. uh, a good song. There's a song that I believe it has to be during that era. It came out on CD called Demonic some shit. It's yeah, a, uh, Demonic and Supersonic. Yeah, something like that. There's a song on there called Saints and Sinners. Yeah, it's, yeah. I like that song. I, I love like that, song. that song. And it sounds so Shout of the Devil. I'm like, yeah. it must have been from that session. Yeah. It's like, Sinners! Sinners! Yeah. yeah it's, he sounds like Klaus Mine. During yeah. that during that verse, the chorus right. part, love right. the hell out of that song. I, I was gonna say more Lenny Wolf, but yeah, we'll go Klaus Mine. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, t- to me, that was them at their peak, uh, and then they really took a sharp turn after that. And that's what we're gonna go into now, uh, track by track. The 1985 uh, album from Motley Crue, Theater of Pain. Uh, me, yes. I gotta tell you, I was a big fan of uh, Hip Parader magazine and Circus. And yes, all that. my favorite magazine, Hip Parader. All that shit. Hip Parader was the National Choir of metal magazines back then because most of the shit they wrote was bullshit. Like Getty, love- Getty Lee, Tommy Lee, and I forgot another Lee was forming a band called the Lees. Uh, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Hip Parader actually said that they were gonna form a band called the Lees. <laughs> Can you imagine Getty Lee and Tommy Lee? What the hell? And Lee Van Cleef. Forget so, about it. I kept reading about Motley Crue working in an album called Theater of Pain. And I'm like, oh yeah. Shout out the devil, Theater of Pain. What a great name for an album, you know? So, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And it took a long time for that album to come out because, you know, Vince Neil was involved in that car accident. And, uh, you know, a guy died and he paralyzed a couple other people. So, you know, that, that, that took time... Uh, off the release of this album, but when it finally came out, I went out and bought it, um, and, you know, I don't think Smoking the Bo- Boys Room was out, actually. Maybe it was, I can't remember, it's been 30 years, but I do remember running home, I put it on, and uh, I was not that impressed, actually, I was broken hearted, but in retrospect, there are some gems on this album that I will talk about when we get into it. But Ian, being that you were a small tyke and didn't know any better, I can tell that you already liked it off the get-go. So tell me, since it was your very first Motley Crue album, what was your impression on your first listen? Um, well, my first first exposure I got was the video for uh, Smoking in the Boys' Room. And uh, I loved it. I, I, I love the look and what what's so funny and I think something's very important is how Motley Crue set the standard for rock bands in the 80s you got that right and, and, and I honestly believe this and because of look and, and I think that's why sometimes there's other bands from the 80s that I love more than Motley Crue and I think are way better than Motley Crue like Rat but exactly I, I, I love Rat a million times more than Motley Crue but Motley Crue set the standard. Once they came, okay, Too Fast for Love kind of, you know, came and went, set the standard. But after fucking Shout at the Devil, and uh, during Shout at the Devil, they very much based their look was very Judas Priest. You know, very, you know, leather, uh, you know, a dark look, dark, you know, everything. And then where I give Motley Crue credit is they said, okay, we're going to separate ourselves. The next album... The look went totally fucking blank. They went from being dark and leather to bright, 
glammy, everything changed. The exact like, opposite of Shadow Exactly, Dark. exactly. And every fucking band followed that. Dokken, Kiss, Judas Priest, everybody. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy, huge example. But every band followed fucking Motley Crue. What they did in 85, what you want to talk about hair metal and all that shit, started, in my opinion, yeah. in 85. When they released Theater of Pain and that shit hit, every band changed their shit. It went from being Dark and Black Sabbath and Judas Priest, Leather and all this stuff. What the fuck is Motley Crue doing? Yep. And you're you're every, 100% every, right. Every band jumped on that fucking boat. Yep. And stayed on it. And, he, and here's another, and it kept going. And this is where I'll give Motley Crue a shitload of credit. They had this whole look for Theater of Pain. And then the next album, Girls, 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 they changed it. They took away all that. Then it was the biker look. Yeah. Then it, then, then it was all this. And then the bands changed again. And then they changed it again for, for Dr. Feelgood. But everybody, whatever Motley Crue's doing, you know, to a certain extent, Bon Jovi affected a lot of bands too, more musically than visually. But Motley Crue visually, every band followed what Motley Crue did. But when it, when it, you know, Theater Pain came out, uh, that's what rock stars were to me. I remember my first issue of Hit Parader. They had a. Uh, uh, well, the first one I talked about is the one that had Blackie Lawless and Robert Sweet on the cover. It was a heaven and hell. But, I mean, like, Motley Crue was in every every issue of Hit Parader. And they had this awesome uh, 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 cover shoot. I think Neil Zoflower, a very famous rock photographer, did. Uh, where it's like they're, they're 30 styles gangsters and shit. And, uh, man, everything was glam and bright colors and all this shit. I hated it. See, I I loved it because that's when I first came on board, and that's what I loved about it, is it looks so different from anybody I saw in real life. That's what separated rock stars from normal people. They they weren't normal people. Yeah, but they, they, were, they weren't normal looking like rejects of the road warrior either, you know. No, no, but but it was it, it Actually it was more dangerous looking. It all it almost made them superheroes the same way like when I when I came into KISS. It was it was more than just the music. I loved the music. I loved the music, and the music was kept me around from the get go. But they were so different. It was it was like fucking superheroes. They were rock and roll superheroes. They didn't look like anybody else. And to me, it separated from the fucking pack. I didn't walk anywhere and see people that dressed like fucking Nikki Six. You know, you know, you know, with with the the eyeliner under the eyes and the referee like. You know, suit and all this shit. I mean, it was it was something else. They they were gods. Well, that was Steve, a Steven Tyler look, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. True, they did they did rip it up, but they, they brought it back at a time when metal everything was like leather and 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 hard and the devil. They took it back to like you know, mixed like pink yeah, lace. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did. It was like the New York Dolls meets Aerosmith meets Kiss. And it, it was an amazing look, an amazing era. And uh, it just kept, you know, as an 11-year-old, it captured my imagination. Not only did I love the music, but wow, like these fuckers are from outer space, you know? But let's get into the fucking album, which I think opens up with a great, great fucking track. 
That is City Boy Blues. I love City Boy Blues. Great riff. I like the slide playing by Mick Mars, which you would hear from now on, like on every Motley Crue album, you're going to hear a little Mick Mars slide playing. But it's a great opener, and one of my favorites on the album. I love City Boy Blues. A great Motley Crue track that I think they definitely should play a lot. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a total Aerosmith ripoff. Uh, and I think the demo was much better. I don't know if you've heard the demo of that song. It's 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 miles better. I don't like City Boy Blues, to be honest with you. I did like the demo. I just think it was... Uh, and I hate the slide guitar. I like... Really? I like... Like I said, Knock I'm Dead Kid, uh, you know, Too Young to Fall in Love, that, that guitar solo. You know, I, I want to hear a guitar solo. I don't want to hear... If I want to hear slide, I'll listen to the blues. So, you know, but that was Motley Crue. Like, I mean, I guess McMartin, since he was older, uh, putting his influences into his, into the music. Uh, yeah, slide guitar all over it. I hated it. I just could not stand it. Uh, City Boy Blues. I did like the demo. Very Aerosmith sounding, but I didn't like the song. Then we go into the next track, which was the single and the hit, Smoking the Boys Room. I remember when I was a little kid, um, that song was a hit by the Brandsville Station on the radio. Uh, as a little kid, I kind of liked it. It was, I don't know, a somewhat of a novelty song, Smoking in the Boys' Room. But then, you know, Motley Crue does it, and they do a, a real cheesy video with the guy from Hills Have Eyes, and, you know, and they're in a bathroom, and then there's this, like, Tom Cruise-looking guy, and... Uh, it's just a horrible video. I, I mean, I love old school MTV videos, but this one I just couldn't couldn't grasp to because it was like, what happened to my Motley Crew? You know, it was just too much of a drastic change. What do you think of Smoking the Boys Room? I fucking love it. I don't. I don't think you're gonna be more wrong on this shit. I I, I love the fucking song from the get go. I think it's a brilliant cover. For Motley Crue to do, I think it really fits them as a band, and I love the fucking video. But this is the first Motley Crue video I saw, and they got Michael Berryman from Hills Have Eyes. All of that, I thought was fucking fantastic and just fun. I mean, it is a fun fucking song, and uh, probably the best cover they could ever do. Uh, and it turned me on to Motley Crue. So, I mean, there's definitely a soft spot there. Smoking the... I, for some reason, I don't, I heard I heard Tommy Lee hates the song. I, I, I don't know why, but, you know, he's also... Oh, I, I know why. Because it what? sucks. Oh, fuck you. Oh, God. Tom, Tommy Lee, fuck Tommy Lee and his rap shit. He should play more shit like Smoking in the Boys' Room. I fucking love it. What do you think about the next track, Ralph? Uh, the next track was actually uh, goes back to Shout at the Devil. Uh, it was a demo called Hotter Than Hell back then. And they changed it to Louder Than Hell. I like this song. This was the first song that I was like, all right, this is the Molly Crew I remember. But I do believe, I, correct me or wrong, it does have slide guitar, right? Yes. Uh, that ruins it for me, man. <laughs> it's like, what's up with the slide guitar, man? What is it, ZZ Top? You know, it's like... Uh, I love ZZ Top, by the way, but Molly Cruz knows ZZ Top. I just feel like, I, I understand the concept of, let's add slide guitar because nobody's doing it in our genre, but it just doesn't work for me. It's Give me that nasty, 
You know, Mick Mars, to me, is the highlight of Two Fats for Love, if you ask me. I mean, he smokes on that album. And then Shout Out the Devil, he does some great guitar work on that, too, you know? Since he wasn't as pretty as the other three, he didn't get the recognition, but I think the guy's just uh, very underrated, but I hate his slide guitar playing, but the whole, you know, I like it loud, loud that, that bombast you hear during it, that shit, that's... That, to me, is like, you know, arena rock. Which I saw this tour, by the way, and I'll talk about that later. But, yeah, I like I, uh, I like um, Louder Than Hell, except for the slide guitar. What do you think of that song? I fucking love it. I, I, I love everything about it. But, this song is filler to me. Uh, but, I, I kind of look at this whole album as there's a lot of filler on this album. Yeah, you know, Ian, can I, can I, I? It's not that I interrupt you. I wanna, I wanna talk to you about something so we can understand each other. Go ahead. Um, the concept when you say filler, I mean, does it really stand for filler when they play it live? Because I always considered filler songs songs that bands don't play live. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, no, no I, I see what you're saying, but I judge filler a little bit more than that. Um, okay. And maybe I set a higher standard uh, for filler. I consider filler songs that there's no way in hell this is going to be a single. You know, or they're just trying to build an album. Like, you know, certain bands, like to me, original Van Halen had very little filler. Every song to me could be a single. Every song is a classic. Uh, you know, you know, filler in this case are songs, they're not classic. But it fills up the album space. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. But, uh, you, you know, it used to be a long time ago, before the era of the album, it was all about singles. You know, and then, and then the Beatles, I think, started the whole album concept. You know, but these are songs like, they're, you know, they're, they're not good enough to be singles, to represent the album as a whole. But it takes up time. And that's what I think the song is. It, it takes up time, but it's not a fucking too fast for love, you know. It's you know it's not a fucking shout at the devil. It's it's a Motley Crue song, but it's not in the upper echelon. And I think a lot of these songs are what we talk about as killer filler. And this this album in particular reminds me a lot about our last episode, the Crocus Headhunter episode. Where they're they're not all the best crocus songs. They're kind of filler songs. They're still good. They're just not that good. And that's what I think about Louder Than Hell. I love it. I love this song. But you know, if I'm trying to turn somebody on to Motley Crue, I'm not gonna say, "Oh, check out Louder Than Hell." But it, it it's a good song regardless. Yeah, but this, would you tell somebody check out Theater of Pain? Oh. Uh, that's not the you're misleading people. Well, I I, I wouldn't away because I, I love this album. Yeah, but I, but but you're like you're not like the majority. If you want to like turn somebody on to Motley Crue, you know, shout out the devil's the way to go. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, because that's their best album. But I would not turn any away from Theater of Pain. i like, if you like Shout of the Devil, give I Theater think, of Pain a listen. But I wouldn't say, hey, yeah, you gotta listen. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not their best, but I I think it's great. I think it's a great album. <laughs> but, but but to me it is an album full of filler tracks but 
good filler tracks. And we've talked about what we've called killer well, filler. Well, speaking of filler, why don't you go into the next track? All right. Well, after we go to the shortest song that I still love, we're going to go to track number four, which is... Hold on. i got to look. Keep your, keep eye, your on. eye on the money. <laughs> uh, I love Keep Your Eye on the Money. <laughs> I love oh, Keep Your Eye on the D-Lil's Hang You're just so <laughs> ridiculous. I, I love this song. I, I love this song, but you know, I, I love this album. Again, this is oh, this is filler, and I cannot imagine listening to Theater of Pain and not hearing "Keep Your Eye on the Money." Whew. You know, it it's just a good fucking rock and roll song. Again, it, it's not it's not a single, it's not a single, but it's a great album track. To me. It's a I, is it a filler? It's a killer filler. This, but but like I said, I think this album is full of filler. But it's it's way better filler than if when you go on into the Motley Crue discography. If 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 they would have saved half these tracks and put them on other Motley Crue albums, it would they would have been way better because there is ten times worse filler on every Motley Crue album after this. To me, this has the best filler out of any Motley Crue album. Hmm. And, and and I love Keep Your Eye on the Money. But apparently, you don't. So let's hear in your wisdom what you think about Keep Your Eye on the Money. My wisdom is my wisdom, bro. It just belongs to me, not you. Or That's, any or anybody, or anybody I, out there. Huh? I, huh? I, I want to hear your wisdom, bro. Like, I just got to say, my wisdom only goes out to people that feel the way I do. Uh, my wisdom does not... Wait, Frampton? Huh? Not the, that's it. <laughs> Well, uh, I hate it. I, I think it's a stupid song. Okay. I, I, I think, you know, I think even Motley Crue would think it's a stupid song. I, I saw the tour and they did play the song. Nice. Um, it, it, it's just, I don't know. And then it just goes on and on. Keep your eye on the money. Keep your eye on the money. It just goes over and over. And I was like, stop. So then we go into the big hit. And I just want to say something. Before I tell you what I feel about Home Sweet Home, I'm going to give you a little lesson here, Ian, that a lot of people don't know about right. Home Sweet Home. School me. A lot of people think that Home Sweet Home was this big MTV video hit that, like, dominated the 80s. Oh, yeah, it was. But, believe it or not, when this video was released, MTV didn't play it. You know how it became popular on MTV? MTV had a show called Dial MTV. And they and the people demanded this video. It was played maybe once or twice during Headbangers, not Headbangers Mall, a, a show called uh, Heavy Metal Mania, uh, which was yes. uh, D. Snyder hosted it. Yes. And uh, they showed it maybe once or twice on that. And then they completely stopped showing Home Sweet Home and continued to show Smoking in the Boys Room. But then Dial MTV came along, and Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home was number one for so long that they literally had to retire it to give other videos a chance. And then after that, it became this huge power ballad that just dominated every band, where every band after this would release the Party Hard Rock song as the first single, and the second single would be the power ballad. Remember that, Ian? Like oh, you had, hell yes, I do. You had yes, uh, Still of the Night. Go into then, Here, here I Go Again. 
Yeah. 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 Or uh, you name it. Any um, Cinderella shake me, then nobody's fool. Uh, Actually, you... no, nobody's fool came out first. No. Shake me was the first video. Really? Yeah, I know my stuff, bro. Okay, me. bye. Anyway, so... Uh, yeah, that's the, that's my thing that a lot of people don't seem to know. MTV did not air Home Sweet Home. It was the people that uh, with Dial MTV made that video so popular. And now everybody... That, it, it pretty much changed the landscape, like you were talking about earlier, about Motley Crue changed people's looks. They also changed people's uh, record companies' marketing with singles. It's like, release the heavy one first, or the, uh, the more hard rocky one first, then the power ballad second. You know, so all bands did that. Um, okay, as far as the song goes, I really like this song. Believe it or not, you th- you figure I wouldn't like Home Sweet Home, right? But I actually like it. I think it's a good, well structured song. Um, the piano and Vince's voice. I, I I like Vince's voice. Sue me. I think the guy is a good singer. Not the greatest, but he's good. He gets the job done. People hate him. For whatever reason, but uh, I think uh, Vince Neil had a good voice. It was it was a unique voice, and it's not easy to replicate. Trust me, I know. And uh, I think it's a great song. And no slide guitar. I fucking absolutely love this, and I agree with what you said with Vince Neil's voice, uh, because some of my favorite singers, like so-called voice experts, think they're fucking horrible. But David Lee Roth, Vince Neil. I love Steven, David Lee Roth's voice. Steven Piercy. Eh. Some, some of my favorite fucking singers that a lot of people are like, eh. Yeah, well, I am a little eh of Steven Piercy. I like Steven Piercy, by the way, but I think he's very one-dimensional. Yeah, well, this is about me, not you. That's true. All right. I'm talking about fucking Home Sweet Home. You have just schooled me. That's right. I fucking love this song. It did. It set the template for the fucking power ballad, for better, for worse, and unfortunately, it's for worse people. Yeah. I mean, let, 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 let's. This is what helped kill the yeah. metal genre. Let, let, let's be honest. All the power ballads after were not as good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. And you want to talk about a, you know, a prime example of killing the fucking power ballad, is is suck a dick fucking Aerosmith. Okay, and they they wrote some incredible power ballads like "Dream On," uh, "Home hey, Tonight," "Angel." Yeah, Ugh. I like "Angel." Yeah, it's not a bad, song, but I, but you I, see, I like but, uh, what it takes. But you you see what I'm? Do you you see a downgrade? It's not it, as good as "Home Tonight," that's for sure. Exactly. Or "Seasons of Wither." What I'm saying is, there's a downgrade. Yeah. Okay. And and and, and there's great power ballads, but then there's a downgrade because. You have to have one on every album, okay? But, you know, if Aerosmith would, would do an album and say, okay, well, if I can't write an, a ballad as good as Home Tonight or Dream On, I won't do one. That would be great. But no, they keep doing them just to have one. And that's what ruined the power ballad because it used to be something special. And Home Sweet Home is something special. It's not your every power ballad. It's a great song that happens to be a power ballad. Yeah, and they did not write that song saying, hey, we need to write a power ballad. Right, no, no, but I tell you, this changed the whole landscape. 
of fucking uh, of music. And you were right about that because it did start the formula. You release the rock song first, and the power ballad second. You know, you, you get you get the the hardcore fans and the guys with the first song. Then you get the bitches with the second. You know what's and, funny, Ian? You know who did really crappy power ballads after Home Sweet Home? Who's that? Motley Crue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like a couple of them, but they've uh, never done anything. To me, Home Sweet Home is an all-time fucking classic. I just saw him on the farewell tour. Excuse me. I'm getting ready to see him again on the farewell me tour. Me too. Me too. I'm going to go. Oh, I'll tell you what. It was an incredible show. It was an incredible show. And this was a great part of the show where everybody in the fucking crowd sung along. Everybody was having a good time. It is a great fucking song. And oh my God, the solo by Mick Mars. Yeah, is fucking is, is incredible. Yeah. And I ha- I hate to invoke you know who, but the fucking solo is almost David Gilmore esque in its simplicity serves the song. It's it's not it's not the most like technical solo you ever heard, but it serves the song. It serves the spirit of the song. It is an incredible fucking solo that evokes emotion and is just as important as the rest of it. I love, love, love Home Sweet Home. And it's easy to get sick of because it's overplayed, but sometimes in the right atmosphere you hear it and you're like, there is a reason why this is such a fucking hit. I never, because, I, I never, well, I'm sorry, keep going, I'm sorry. But I, I, I'm just saying, it is a great fucking song, regardless of the genre, regardless of, you know, it's cock rock, it's metal or whatever. It is a great fucking song. It's a road song about rock and roll, the same way fucking Bob Seger's uh, Turn of the Pages. You, you know, I mean, it's just a great road song. And uh, it, it, it's amazing. Unfortunately, it spawned a lot of bastard fucking children that aren't worthy. But you cannot take anything away from Home Sweet Home. And, and if that, it wasn't for the people, maybe Motley Crue wouldn't have been playing that song anymore. Wow, I, you never know, but it's absolutely fucking amazing. But then, fuck it. I mean, what more can you say? We go into the next cut. Flip it over. Is, we flip this motherfucker over, and we go into tonight. Subtitle, We Need to Love It. Um, wow, this is probably my favorite deep cut on the album. I love this fucking song. I love it. To me, this is another one that could have been on uh, Shout of the Devil. Just a great Motley Crue song. Uh, I like a little bit of organ, almost like John Lord, uh, you know, before the guitar solo. Great Motley Crue song that is totally under the radar, nobody talks about. I think it's a fun fucking track. What do you think, Ralph? Tonight. Tonight. Love it. Tonight. Tonight. tonight, ooh, tonight, tonight. I'm sorry, man. Too much tonight in that damn song. If it was reduced, it would have been why, way why? better. You know what's ten times better than the fucking Ozzy song called "Tonight"? Oh, that's oh no, that's a great song. Wait, wait. Uh, that song sucks. Is that the one on Die Madman? Yeah. That movie, get out of yeah, here, bro. Yeah, that song sucks. That's the best goddamn Ozzy ballad ever. Oh, God. Yeah, but you like so tired, so what the fuck? Yeah, I like that one, too. 
Oh, horrible. Uh, uh, tonight is... Uh, it, it starts good. It's, you know... Yeah, but yeah, yeah, this is definitely filler because this was never played live. Uh, and, and the Tonight is so repetitious, it, it just, I don't know, it kills it for me. But yeah, if it was just like, if I would have gone on there and pip-slapped Tom Warman for a little while and said, look, knock out all these Tonight. You know, Tom Warman has this thing about Tonight. Uh, Cheap Trick uh, has a song called I'll Be With You Tonight, where they say Tonight. Great song. Yeah, but they say tonight too much in it as well. And Tom Warman produced that album too. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. But it, it's not a bad song. It's it's heavier than everything we've heard so far on the album. It's got that, that killer riff, you know, and the monstrous drums. It's a very heavy killer song. But the, the overusage of the word tonight kills it for me. But now we're going into what I consider my favorite song on the album. Yeah, you probably don't like it because every time I—I I don't know what it is, Ian. Every time I, my favorite song on the album is usually one of your least favorites. Uh, it's probably because you're an asshole, but yeah. I love it anyway. <laughs> I'm right on this one again, ain't I? God well, bless. Well, well, we'll see. Go into the next fucking. Song. I love you, lose it or lose it. It's definitely my favorite song on the album. Reminds me of Red Hot and Bastard. That type of like, you know, the double bass, the heaviness, the fastness. They did play, this was the second song they played live, right after Looks That Kill, that opened the show. And, uh, oh man, I love this song. This is like, I remember the first time I bought the album, and this song came out, I was like, well, it's about goddamn time I hear something that reminds me of of, uh, of, of not only Shout Out to the Devil, but it also reminds me that Motley Crue's got a good drummer. Because the rest of this album was just like, just plodding along, plodding along. Yeah, I liked the... Uh, uh, what is it? Louder than hell and 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 uh, hi, uh, home sweet home. But fucking use it or lose it, baby. That song rules. Yeah, my favorite song off the album. What do you think? Well, <laughs> this song reminds me that you are the second favorite thing your mother ever did, besides that trick with her tongue. Because I love use it or lose. Oh, there you go. But it's not your favorite though. Hey, but no, no, no. but. This is a groundbreaking episode. Usually, my favorite song on an album is usually your least favorite, or yeah. you just don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I love this song. Cool. It's, it's the second shortest song on the album, but I love, I love that. Use it or lose it. And I got to give a shout out to my old friend from fucking grade school, Mike Grafen, who used to sing this song all the fucking time. I love this fucking song. It's great. I mean,. And you're you're absolutely right. This does sound like something that should have came off of uh, "Shot the Devil," excuse me, or around that same era. Totally great, great fucking song. And I would love to hear some shit like this live, but it's never gonna happen. But then we go in the next song, which is "Save Our Souls." Oh man, this might be. My favorite deep cut on the album. I love Save Our Souls. It was played in the in the, the Italian horror movie Demons. And there's just something dark and evil about this song. I love Vince's voice on this track. Uh, man, I don't know. There's just something evil about Save Our Souls. And I totally fucking dig it. I love it. What do you think, Ralph? Definitely my least favorite song on the album. What?! 
You got that oh, right. Here, here we go from agreeing to like. Jesus I know, right? From from fifty to oh, zero. Oh man! From, I like keep your eye on the money more than this song. Wow! Right? And I don't really? like that song at all. Yeah, wow. save your souls. It's just so forgettable and so. Oh, you want to talk about filler? This one's like root canal filler. Okay. It was oh. just, I don't know, man. Save our souls for the promised land. Love it. I heard it again. I heard it, you know, I went. Obviously, I had to go back and listen to this album for this review because it's been so long, you know. And, uh, yeah, this one's, <laughs> I, I remembered it. I listened to it and I was like, man, I remember this song. This song is really bad. And it's still really bad. Yeah, hate it. What's the next one after this? Is it Raise, uh, uh, raise Your Hands to Rock, I think? No, yeah, yes. Yes, you're right. All right, Raise Your Hands to Rock. Now, this song, it reminds me of uh, like a classic rock song, like a bad company type thing. I don't know. It, it has that classic rock feel, you know, little acoustic guitar. But, you know, Tom Warman produced, uh, uh, I think right before this, he produced uh, Stay Hungry, right? Yep. And, you know, I want to rock, rock. And you hear that rock, the, the yelling right. rock thing again on on this song. But you know what? I have a softness for this song. Every, oh, yeah. You have a softness in your pants, too. Yeah, but that's because your mom just doesn't do it for me anymore. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Uh, the reason I do have a softness, I'm going to give her a shout-out, even though she probably ain't listening. It's my friend for over 30 years, Eve from New York. Who's I like, love Eve. You know her. Oh. You know oh, her. yes. Oh, we are friends on Facebook. She right. is a sweetheart She's awesome. and a great girl. Awesome. She's the biggest Vince Neil fan, and uh, she's the biggest Molly Crew fan. She loves this song, and she would like... I guess she kind of... If it wasn't for her, maybe I wouldn't have liked this song as much, but this song reminds me of her. And I do oh, like uh, the line of... We have summertime. to give a sh- Yeah, huh? we got to give a shout-out to Eve, though. Yeah, she, that, she ain't that's listening. That's awesome. Though, but, she does like the show. Okay, well, I'll tell her to listen to this one at least. She will. She loves Molly Crew. She's going to be very disappointed with the songs I don't like on here because I never expressed my dislike for Molly Crew to her because she's a New Yorker. You motherfucker. You better like some fucking Motley Crew, you motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I want to stay away from her rap, even though I'm going to have to hear it after she hears this shit. But, hey, Eve, I like this song because of you, and I love that, you know, summertime feeling right, summertime blues. 16 whatever the fuck he says it does take me to that mood never played live unfortunately uh but you know it's a decent track it's not like wow but it's good compared to the rest of this album other than use it or lose it and home sweet home i dig it i like this song what's up what's up what's up with that ian what do you think uh once again like the majority of this album it's killer filler. And I put the same thing like totally twisted sister with the gang vocals and, and a summertime vibe to it. And it's one of those things like, you know, either you're driving around with your buddies, you got the top down or the windows open or you're going to the state park and you're getting all fucked up. It's a summertime song. It's a fun fucking song. It's a Motley Crue song. You know, it, it's it's not fucking rocket science, but it's fucking rock and roll. I I, I dig the song. I dig the song. Not one of their best, but uh, you know, it sure as fuck ain't the worst either. They do a hell of a lot worse than this. Fun tune. Well, all right, now you go into the last track. 
Alright, the last song. Oh my god. Fight, fight for your rights. Now, it, it's too bad this song didn't come out now because this song could solve all the racial problems we have right now. You know, in Ferguson, Missouri and all this shit. Yeah, you know, listen to these lyrics. It can solve everybody's problems. Uh, I, I'm just kidding, because this is a terrible fucking song. But it's got a decent message. But it's a it, it's a fucking terrible song. I don't know if he wrote this because at the time Nikki Six was banging fucking Vanity, uh, who who is a half black lady who happens to be half black and fully fucking beautiful, hot. Oh my God, Vanity! Holy fucking shit! Hell yeah, was hot as fuck. I think Prince, of course, Prince was fucking her. Then Nikki Six. I think I think David Lee Roth might have fucked her for a while. This chick was fucking hot as fuck. Um, the song, while it does have a positive message, is totally fucking filler. Probably the worst song on the fucking album, and not just because the message, but because of the song structure and. The generic quality, if that's even a fucking word, of this song. Yeah, this is this is bad, but I still love it. I mean, this is my first Motley Crue record, and uh, and I got it on cassette, and I would play the shit out of this over and over. So when I hear this, it's all one album. I can't hear one song without the other. Even though some are definitely better than others, but uh, what do you think about the smoking turd? I think it's the second best song on the album, and I'm not saying oh, it. No, no, no. I, I mean you gotta it. Be no, I'm not. I love this song. I love. This is the... oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Take me back. Take me back a minute. Take me back. You said this is the second best track on the album for me. Yes. What? What's the first one? Use it or lose it. <laughs> <laughs> You you think these two are better than Home Sweet Home? Yes. Better than City Boy Blues? Well, okay. All right, you, you just welcome on. Okay, maybe not. All right, not better than Home Sweet Home. Oh yeah, City Boy Blues by far. Yeah. Oh my God! I love because it's metal, man. That riff. What I love about this song is that. Uh, when it goes down, 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 down. There's only one thing I do really hate about Fight for Your Life. What? You know what else goes, meow, meow, meow. Your mother for three dollars goes, meow, 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 meow. You know, Dude. I I know this information about my mom. I don't know why you keep drilling <laughs> it in my head. Jesus, dude. Why do you keep rubbing it in, bro? I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. why? Because I rub in my cum on your mom's face? I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh-oh. Anyway, the one thing I hate about this song is can can convince me pronounce four? Cause he's like fight, fool you right. It's like it's four, not foo. Fight, fool you right. What the hell, fool? That's the only thing that bothers me about the song. But that one part where he's like a tear of blood falls from my eye. That shit's awesome, dude. You're a moron. Fucking oh, rolling song. All right, let's a a a a. We're going to talk about every Motley Crue song, so let's leave. We, we talked about it. Enough of theater right. pain. Let's they, leave. They were, that's let's theater leave. pain. I'll tell you what. I, I Oh, my God. You like that song? I'll tell you what. I'm going to go take a big fucking piss. 
you and start I, I, and I'm gonna talk about girls, girls, girls. Then you tell me what you think after there, after I'm done. There you go. I'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna go into girls, girls, girls while he takes his piss. Uh, girls, girls, girls. Um, started off okay. Um, what do you call uh, Wild Side? Love that song. Still love that song. Killer, heavy track. Hate the title track. I hate girls, girls. I hated it then. I hate it now, and I'll hate it in the future. Hate it. I hate it so popular. It's such a lame tune. Dancing on Glass was cool. Uh, Bad Boy Boogie, yeah. Five Years Dead, like tonight. Uh, I need a lover tonight. Five Years Dead just went too long with that Five Years Dead. All the name of rock and roll was decent. I'm sure Ian would love that one. Um, <clears throat> I liked Something for Nothing. I know that one a lot of people didn't like. I thought that was like one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, You're All I Need was not bad. You're All I Need kind of reminded me of uh, Alice Cooper. You know, he's singing a song about a girl that's dead. Like he killed a girl. Jailhouse Rock is like abysmal. Uh, girls, uh, girls, 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 actually, I would say he's even lamer than Theater of Pain. What do you think of Girls, Girls, Girls now that Ian's back? All right. Hello. Girls, Girls, Girls sucks. Uh, Did you like Wild Side? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Really? Wildside rules. It's 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 okay. The same way I think girls girls the song. Oh, that is okay. song sucks. Uh, I was I was excited because it came out on my birthday. I I know it doesn't say it on Wikipedia, but in my head, girls 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 came out on May eleventh, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, and I was all excited because ooh the new Motley Crue album. And I already had the, they already sold T shirts ahead of time with Alistair Fiend on it. When Molly Crystal had Alistair Fiend. Yeah, something we haven't talked about. Alistair Fiend's one of the coolest mascots that they did not use. He was. He was. Especially the shot at the devil, Alistair Fiend, where he's gripping a razor blade and there's blood all over it. I loved Alistair Fiend. They should have used him more. Oh, Alistair Fiend was awesome. I think the last appearance of Alistair Fiend was, I think there was a very little, like, Dr. Feelgood. Yes, it was a single. Yeah, for the most part, Alistair Fiend died after Theater of Pain. But anyway, we're talking about Girls, Girls, Girls here. What a fucking shitty fucking album. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, And when I knew it was all over is when Motley Crue did a song by that piece of fucking trash called Elvis Aaron Presley. Hey, I love Elvis. And he didn't write that song. Elvis didn't write songs. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. Because he's a fucking Justin Timberlake. He's a song so and dance So what? Bitch. You like Vince Neil. He doesn't write songs either. What the fuck? Hypocrite. Uh, yeah, he's got a better voice than fucking Elvis. Oh, no, uh, he does not. You fuck no. you. Come on. Scientifically, you know you're wrong. Fuck Elvis. Elvis had this. the fucking voice, dude. You're uh, fucking, oh, God, you need to stop he, drinking. Elvis had the face. That's you know it. what? You know what? What? Your mind has gone before your liver. Okay. Anyway, Elvis fucking sucks. All right. Well, it's, you were you were, and, and so does Girls, Girls, Girls. It's a horrible album. And and, <laughs> and, and, and and this is the thing. This is this is what really pisses me off, is because, in my opinion, Rat was still putting out good albums, uh. but, but but Motley Crue kept because Motley Crue. Here's what they they were changing their image with every album, and it was more about what they were doing than it was the music because Motley Crue really started putting out subpar fucking shit 
but they were getting bigger and bigger because it was more like who they were than the music. And uh, and, and Girls, Girls, Girls is, is, is a perfect example of that because that is a shitty, shitty fucking album. I mean, I mean that's... Uh, there, there's more hardcore metal on, on, on fucking Crocus or any fucking other shit than that than, than what Motley Crue was putting out. But people were buying it from, you know, in bolts because they loved Tommy Lee's Big Dick and they thought Vince Neil was cute. You know, it was way more about shit like that than it was the actual fucking songs. Because the songs they, themselves were fucking horse shit. You were, you were taking a piss. I did talk about a couple songs I did like off this album. What's that? What, uh, what, I, I liked Wild Side. I somewhat liked Dancing on Glass. I didn't think that was too bad. But another song yeah. I liked that everybody hates, I'm sure you do, I really liked Something for Nothing. Yeah. You, you know what You know what I think the best song is on fucking uh, on Girls, Girls, Girls? What? Nona. Oh, God. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even mention that. It's so unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, 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 forgettable, how much I, that's how much I hate Girls, Girls, Girls. Why don't you go into what... Uh, the fake ass motherfuckers think is the best fucking. I hate Doctor Feelgood. Yeah, I you hate that. that fucking album. I like the song. Kickstart's okay. The rest is just garbage. Horrible album. Sucks. That's all I have to say about it. You. Uh, all right. Um, I do like the title track. And I like Without You. <laughs> and. uh and I like, uh, God damn, what's the other fucking song? Don't uh, Go Away Mad, that's crap. I love Don't Go Away that Mad. That song sucks. I love Don't Go Away Mad. The rest is some total fucking horrible Bob Rock produced fucking, I hate Bob Rock. I hate Bob Rock. I hate his production. Uh, I I can't think of an album I love that Bob Rock fucking produced. I did. And I, I do. And I, I tell you, I tell you what, I sip from the tip of fucking David Lee Ross dick. But I hate the production on Little Ain't Enough. I love that album. I there's some good songs, but the production is fucking horrible. And it makes perfect sense as Bob Rock got to start with the horrible. Bruce Fairburn, who I'm glad is fucking dead. Oh, man. Thanks, Terrence. Yeah, I'm glad Bruce Fairburn's dead. Jesus, how terrible of you. Because he can't overproduce. Hey, I'm not a Catholic. I don't believe in God, so I feel no remorse for what I say. So you're glad he died because he produced shitty albums. Yeah, he produced shitty albums, and Bob Rock was his fucking, uh, what do you call it, Renfield. Okay? You know, he was his little bitch. And, and, and... They've made no good album. Even albums by artists that I like, like you know, Bob Rock did a cult album, and I like the cult. But <sighs> even Son, even Son of Temple was over fucking produced. Overrated band. I love uh, uh, Subhuman Race. Now that's by, a great album, man. But it's over fucking produced. Uh, it's too sterile. I don't know. It, it, to me, it's grown it, well. It's good songs, but it's overproduced. Musically, All right. it, 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 my my opinion. But anyway, fuck Doctor Feelgood. But you cannot deny that, like that was the height of their success. But you know what? Because that just proves that America. I'm sorry, you know, we get back to the Iron Maiden thing. Is way off fucking base when it comes to what's fucking cool. Because America chooses that Doctor Feelgood was the best fucking Motley Crue album. 
by fucking far in my fucking account. Well, before we go any further, I would like to bring up the fact that I saw all. I saw shout the devil. Great live show. Theater pain was a probably the best time. Believe it or not, I saw Molly Crew. Yeah, I believe it. They were on fire that night. They were great. Um, Girls, girls, girls was awesome with the with the twirling drum thing. And Guns N' Roses opened that show, by the way. It wasn't Whitesnake when it came down here. Um, but Dr. Feelgood was a horrible show. I remember watching that show thinking, boy, these guys really lost the fire. I don't know what it was because they were sober, but I just really thought that was a lame show. With Tommy Lee flying over everybody, playing along to Ballroom Blitz and, you know, whatever. I just felt Girls, 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 the show was too sanitized, was not dangerous. It wasn't the Motley Crew I remembered. It, it was kind of lame. Uh, girls, 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 and Theater Pain and Shadow of the Devil, far superior shows. And to tell you the truth, ever since uh, Dr. Feelgood, with the exception of Carnival of Sins, which was an amazing show, every other Motley Crew show I saw stunk. All right, uh, let's go into the Decade of Decadence album. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one. All right. I did like what they did to uh, Livewire. I thought that sounded awesome, the the remix, whatever. And I'm not a fan of remixes, but I thought it had balls and sound, just sounded killer. I like that. I like the, uh, the the single, what was it? Uh, Scream. Yeah, well, great song. Great song. I, I love that song. That's a great song. The rest, eh. I didn't like I didn't like Angela or or whatever or Anarchy the cover it, it was just all rock and roll doctor what is it rock and roll outlaw whatever rock, the, rock and roll junkie it's just all pedestrian crap but yeah uh, primal primal scream I did like that song a lot I just thought the rest of it and the, the remix to what was it there was another one Home, Home Sweet Home they did Home Sweet Home no that sucked that yeah, sucked. That sucked. No, yeah, but no, but um, <clears throat> there was another song they did on uh, of uh, Too Fast for Love. I think it was Peace to Your Action, right? That, that, uh, they remixed that one too, or some other song from that album. It was good. Yeah, but, no, I, I I think it was Save Your Souls, the '91 version. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, no, the but Livewire I thought kicked out. I think that's the best version of the song. Uh, was that one? It, it just it just had balls to it, but. Uh, and but the rest of it was just garbage. What do you think of Decade of Decadence? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was I, I, I never bought it. I wish I did because it went out of print. I oh, might really? have something, I have yeah, I, I wish I did because it went out of print. It might be worth something to some fucking white trash in Missouri. I don't know. I don't think but, so. uh, you know, I don't know. I love Primal Scream, great song, gave me hope for the future. Motley Crue, when I heard Primal Scream, like. Yeah, getting a little bit heavier again. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Heard that horrible fucking, you know, the 91 remix of fucking Home Sweet Home. Total fucking garbage. Uh, uh, Rock and Roll Junkie? I actually like Rock and Roll Junkie. Uh, there, there's some other shit on there. It's like, eh. Can From the tank. Ford Fairlane soundtrack, actually. Yeah. Oh, God. One of my favorite movies of all time, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. I love that fucking movie. Yeah, it's from, I it from love that. Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Needs to be released on Blu-ray. If anybody's listening, put that shit out on Blu-ray. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. De- decade of decadence. Yeah, whatever. I'd rather listen to Decade of Regression by Slayer. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's horrible. And then there was the big split. And man, I remember freaking the fuck out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Fucking Scott Ian's fucking ass fires Joey Belladonna. Fucking uh, Rob Halford leaves fucking Judas Priest. And now Vince Neal is out of Motley Crue. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, every band was falling. I think Rat imploded at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rat gave it up altogether. Uh, I was like, Jesus fuck, what's going on? Yeah, all the big bands. Uh, what was it? Uh, White Snake disappeared. Yeah, White Snake broke up. I mean, it was it was a hard time. It was a really hard time. But I remember when Motley Crue announced that they were getting John Karabi. And I was like, I'd seen uh, a video for his his previous band it was called The Scream, great album, and, and they they had a video on MTV, and I thought it was fucking horrible, horrible. I'm like, really, this motherfucker is gonna, you know, replace Vince Neil? And Vince Neil struck first. He came out with that. Uh, you're invited, but your friend can't come off the Encino Dude, Man. He, that song came out. I'm not lying. That song came out literally like a month after he got right. kicked out of Molly Crew, like and, right away. And, and that song is horrible, but I love it. I, 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 I hate I hate that song, but we'll get I, it. We should talk about Vince Neil's two solo albums too. Three actually, I, I, three solo. Albums. I, I I I do love it, but I was like, wow, he needs Motley Crew. And I'm like, but what is Motley Crew? gonna do without fucking Vince Neil and I was so like I was so ready to hate it I was so ready to hate it and then like even like uh, Anthrax's Sound of White Noise came out which I was very like how can how dare you get rid of Joey Belladonna in my opinion the greatest voice of fucking thrash and then, and then Sound of White Noise came out blew my fucking mind I was like oh this is fucking awesome and then I saw the world premiere for Hooligans Holiday and I was like, holy fucking shit. This might be one of the best Motley Crue songs I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. And I absolutely love Hooligan's Holiday. An incredible track off an awesome album that is once again way overproduced by fucking Bob Rock. Jesus Christ. If a real, real raw producer would have done Motley Crue, Motley Crue. It would have been a thousand times better. But I believe the Motley Crue 94 album is the best Motley Crue album after Shot the Devil. What do you think, Ralph? Totally agree with you, except for the production part. I'm not like you when it comes to that. But believe me, Ian, I understand everybody's more like you than I am when it comes to production. To me, um, production doesn't bother me. I think those Bob Rock albums that, that like, Subhuman Race... Motley 94 and uh, the David Lee Roth album. I love them all. I have no problem with the production. It, it, it's it's not a little bit too sterile to you? No, man. I just think they all kick ass. I don't know. I'm just a weird I guy. I mean, there's sometimes... You know what production bothers me? Uh, Blizzard of Oz. All right? There. That one bothered me. And that's Max Norman. All right. All right. Well, well here, here, here's my, my best... Um, I'm... I'm trying to preach my production values to you. Okay, uh, Aerosmith Rocks. Great album. Jack Douglas production. Best album they ever made. Okay, and you also like Pump by Aerosmith. Love that's, it. That's Bruce Fairburn. Love that album. 
do you notice the difference in production and yes. the rawness? Yeah, okay. the, the pump is okay. much more slick. Yeah. Yes, and that's what I'm getting at. Bob Rock is precise. He's precise as a motherfucker, but it's too sterile. It, it's okay. It's like the difference between fucking with a rubber on and raw dogging and coming in a chick. I would rather raw dog your mother and come in her than fucking shoot it in a rubber and then throw it in your trash can. Good thing her eggs are all fucked up. Exit. But you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between raw dogging and coming in a rubber. No, I get, I get you. you. You're more a stickler to production where I'm not. I understand what you're saying. It's slicker sounding and and right. the slicker the slicker bothers you. Basically. Yes, it, yeah, yes, it does. Because it sounds... Um, there's something plastic about it. Right, fair, you know, enough. fair enough. It, it, it's it's the difference between, um, you know, a hardwood floor and wallpaper. You okay, know, I get you what you're saying. Here. Well, one's real, one has soul, and the other one is fake and slick. I get what you're saying. Speaking of slick, okay. and I know this one's super slick, was the first Vince Neil solo album, Exposed. That album's, that album's way slicker than 94, if you ask me. And that was Ron Nevinson. Well, okay, I don't know, but I, I, you know, I don't look that deep into it. But I know that I'm super slick, and I love okay. Exposed. I thought Exposed was a hell of an album. Great album, Wait, Ron. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little uh, feedback on Ron Nevinson. Uh, he oh, produced, he did Ultimate Sin, didn't he? He did Ultimate Sin. Yeah, he did crazy. He, he did Crazy Nights. That's great. He, Oh no no no! Crazy nights. That sucked. I was thinking loudest yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah, he 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 did uh he did the '85 Heart album. All right. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, well, I liked Exposed. To me, he finally did something okay. good. All right. I thought it was a great album. And then before we go into Generation Swine, Vince released another album, which was hated by a lot, called Carved Carved, Carved in Stone. Yes. I think Carved in Stone was an awesome album. If you take away those stupid rap. There was a couple rap tunes on there. Really? Yeah. See, I, I have it. I've only heard a few songs, but what I heard I, I liked. I, I got to tell you, Black Promises, Bite the Hand That Feeds. There, uh, I forgot there's another song on there that sounds like Black Sabbath. It's a great heavy album, but it does have a couple of lame I've, tunes I've, on I've it. heard that. I need, to, I need to check it out. I, yeah, I don't it, know enough opinion. It's, but. It's, it's a really killer album if you take away... The first track sucks. Uh, whatever, given okay. the gun. And then there's one later on, too, that has samples. That's just horrendous. But there's a song called uh, Crawl to You, I think. The second track is awesome. Highly recommend that album. It's a cool album. Then we go into Generation Swine, which was a piece of crap. Woo! Woo! That album was bad. Right? I, 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 saw, I saw the very first concert. When they got together with Vince Neil, not counting uh, on the American Music Awards, that came out and did a horrible limpsick limpsick version of uh, Oh, so bad. Yeah, which but they I still thought, do live because of Tommy Lee. Right. right. The, the first ver- the first concert they did together was at Zephyr Hills, Florida, and this it used to be called uh, uh, Zephyr Stock or some shit. Right, right around Tampa area. Oh my god! I still have the shirt with the pig on the front. It was so bad. It was so 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 bad. And there's some songs that I think are like "Eh" on Generation Swine. But as a Motley Crue album, 
It's fucking horrible. Yeah. But you, you can chalk all that up to... Originally, they started to write with John Karabi. And, and, and the record uh, the record company is the one that pushed Karabi out. Because the 94 album stiffed. The tour stiffed. Uh, they're like, you gotta get fucking uh, Vince Neil back. And Vince Neil, to this day, he still hates them motherfuckers. He still hates them. But he knows where his bread's buttered. I don't think they're too much fans of him. But once again, they know where their bread's buttered. But they fucking... You know, I love it because they almost called the eighty, the '94 album "So Death Do Us Part," and they change it to just Motley Crue because they don't give a. At the end of the day, they didn't give a fuck about John Karabi. They kicked him to the curb to pay their fucking rent. You got that right. And they, they totally and, sold out. Oh, totally sold out because they made they made probably their best artistic album with John Karabi, and I think I, I wish they would have made ten more albums with John Karabi. I think would have been better Motley Crue records. Yeah, but well, you know, and uh, well, like I said, I did like uh, "Let Us Pray," which was pretty much a John Karabi song. Oh that. yeah, I think that's the only highlight on that album. Um, then we go sure. into new tattoo. Tommy Lee leaves. They get Randy Castillo in, and they tried to recreate old Motley Crue and fail really bad at it. New tattoo was fucking horrible. What do you think? Uh. Man, I, I'm, I'm on the fence with New Tattoo. I see where they went. They tried to get... They got Matt Clint to produce it, who did... Uh, uh, Guns and Roses, right? Appetite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Appetite for Destruction. He also produced Rust in Peace by Megadeth. Uh, so I liked where they went with the producer. But uh, the songs just... The feeling was there to me. There's some songs I really like on New Tattoo, but there was something missing, and I don't yeah, think it's good just, songs were missing. And I don't think it's just it's Tommy Lee because I, to me I think Tommy Lee is one of the most overrated fucking drummers. Oh, I, I totally disagree. I think he's a phenomenal drummer. But see, I, I I think he's okay. But once again, he's the same with Motley Crue. It's substance over style. It's Tommy Lee. He's the pretty boy with the big dick that plays the big fat drum thing. But there's a thousand other drummers Man, that are a million times more, uh, you know, better at what they do than Tommy Lee. I, don't, but, I, I disagree. I think Tommy Lee... Really, hits, you, you really think he's a good drummer, though? I think he's an amazing drummer that hits the drums really fucking hard. Great showman. Incredible drum solos he did back in the 80s. I thought the guy was great, man. I think now he's a fucking shell of what he used to be. To, to, to me, he's like... I don't know. He's he's just a fucking face. You know, he's like what Richard Grieco is, the fucking 21 Jump Street. He's, he's a right. fucking face. He's a tabloid uh, picture. But there's a thousand drummers. Like, I just saw fucking Rob, Rob Reiner with Anvil... Blows away anything Tommy Lee can fucking do. Well, yeah, but still, I still think but, he's a good yeah, drummer. But that's what I'm saying. Tommy Lee is a pretty boy with a fucking big dick that's in a marquee fucking band. No, and eight pounds of drums, dude. Yeah, I, I, All right, I, let's I, just go I, into the last album. Uh, Saints of Los Angeles, by far the worst out of all of them. Yeah. Really? Think I, think, so? I think it's even worse than Generation Swine. The wow. worst... It's unlistenable. It's just unlistenable. That album is just... 
It's not even Motley Crue. It's pretty much 6 a.m. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, Riding-wise, yes. Horrible, horrible Lincoln Park. Not even, what is it, Nickelback? Whatever the fuck. Trying to be modern. Fuck, that is by far the worst Motley Crue album. And yeah, they're dumb to end their career with that stupid record. What do you think? Uh, man, I would not say it is the worst album. Uh, I think it's I think it's a step up from uh, from New Tattoo and Generation Swine. But uh, I hate I hate the outside writer bullshit because like, David Nikki, you were writing shitty songs all by yourself. Why do you have to add other people to write shitty songs? Uh, once again, Motley Crue is style over substance. Look at Rat's last album when they got back to Infestation. Great album. A great fucking album. By an 80s band that sounded 80s, sounded fucking awesome. And, and fucking, you know, Motley's so like, oh, we're cool, we're this. Vince doesn't give a fuck. Vince will sing whatever as long as you sign the fucking paycheck. You know, it, it is. it sucks, but it's not as bad, in my opinion is uh, new tattoo or generation swine. But I will say this, as, as much as I'm fucking bitching about Molly Crew, go see them on their farewell tour because they put on a hell of a fucking show. Well, all right. That ends our little Motley Crew discussion. I think we should go into pick of the week. What do you say? All right, let's go into pick of the week. My pick of the week is, in my opinion, and I know this is going to sound crazy, my favorite dancing album. And I love dancing. I'm going to talk about Danzig 4. Wow. It's a, really? Yes. Better than yes. Lucifuge. And I love Lucifuge. I love Lucifuge. That is my second favorite Danzig album. My first one, though, is Danzig 4. And because it's it's the last one, last out where I think Rick Rubin was really a worth a shit fucking producer and actually added anything, uh, there's some experimentation here. And there's some classic dancing. Everything's mixed together. I mean, the songs on this album, holy shit. I mean, let me just, you know, Brand New God. Great song. Can't Speak. Love Going Down to Die. Until You Call it talk, Until You Call the Dark Dominion. Bringer of Death. Oh, my God. Yeah. Son, Son of the Morning Star. I Don't Mind the Pain. Stalker Song. Holy shit. Stalker Song is amazing. And what I believe is the best Danzig fucking ballad ever, Let It Be Captured. Let It Be Captured is fucking amazing. Uh, the last album done by the classic Danzig lineup, which was Glenn Danzig, Erie Vaughn, Chuck Biscuits, and John Christ. Uh, man, after this, Chuck Biscuits, man. What an, oh, uh, you want to oh, talk about an underrated drummer. Oh, 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 that's funny because Chuck Biscuits is in my top five drummers of all time. You ever and seen he, him live? Yes, yes. And that little tiny drum set? And that That's what I was getting at. He reminds me of Bill Ward. You know, a, a drummer that, like, you don't need the biggest kit. But what this guy does with a little kit, just, like, you don't need, you don't need this... Neil Peart, and I love Neil Peart, but I mean, you don't need like 55 fucking drums. It's what you do with the five fucking drums and three cymbals in front of you. Jesus Christ, Chuck Biscuits is fucking amazing. This was a swan song with Danzig, and uh, 
amazing album. Please, please, if if you have it, if you don't have it, check out Danzig 4. White Devil Rise was the kind of code name for it, but check it out. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I, I I love that album, and that's when I that's when I stopped liking Danzig. After that, I think it was a sacrifice or whatever. He went industrial. I just yeah. di- didn't like Danzig after that. But man, yeah, that original, all those albums, How the God Kill, the first one, Lucifuge being my favorite, all four of them are great albums. I highly recommend. Good call, uh, Danzig Four. Thanks. Great, great album. My my pick of the week is not actually an album. It's an actually it's a DVD that I just oh. that I just got yesterday that features our friend Ruben De La Rosa's in it. I love Ruben De La Rosa. I know you are you talking about Tough Luck. Tough Luck, yes. I just received it in the mail yesterday. Tough Luck was a, a hair band from South Florida back in the day. Very popular. When I used to go see him live, the guitar player was awesome. Uh, looked like Randy Rhodes and played like Randy Rhodes. I mean, he played like, you know, he had a little bit of everybody in him. An incredible talent. The band was great, I thought. Not a big fan of the hair metal thing, but I thought they did it well. And I thought they were going to be huge because they had all... And they almost, you know, I watched the documentary and they, yeah, they came so close to being signed to Atlantic. They actually, I think they were signed to Atlantic. They were just looking for the right manager and uh, because Atlantic said, look, we'll sign you, but you got to find a manager first and then we'll take care of the rest. So did, did they lose to, uh, who's the horrible other band from South Florida? Uh, Saigon Kick? Yes, yes. Uh, did they lose to them or? No, but Saigon Kick I liked. I, I didn't think they were a bad band. Ruben okay. De La Rosa worships that band. Uh, well, love is on the way. Well, anyway, uh, well, you can't judge them by that. You know, but, but you know, um, uh, Ruben De La Rosa, our buddy, is interviewed in it because he was a big Tough Luck fan, and and uh, you know, Ruben he, De La Rosa kicks ass. Yes, I he love does. that guy. And his band Necromaniac rules. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Just came out on DVD. I don't think it's on Blu-ray. Uh, look it up, man. I'm sure you look up. Uh, there's there's um, what do you call that? Promos on YouTube. You can see commercials on it. It's a really fascinating story. I watch it, but it's one part extremely sad because I won't give it away. I can tell you one of the band members were murdered in the most horrendous way that I won't give away how it happened, but they go into fucked up detail how he died. He was a great guy and he didn't deserve to die and and that's what killed the whole thing, the momentum and uh, tough luck. I think it's just called tough luck, the DVD, you know, whatever. Wow, how appropriate. Uh, look it up, yeah, and 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 an appropriate name for the band, Tough Luck. I mean, they they had everything to become the biggest band in the '80s because they had all everything you what we talked about today with Rat and Motley Crue. They had all that. They had all that vibe. They had the talent. They had a guitar player that only like Warren D. Martini can rival, nice. and uh, he was just a, a monster guitar player called David Scott. Uh, look it up, man. Tough luck, and check out their songs. Uh, I, one song I highly recommend is a song called "Tonight Tonight." There, that one song encompasses all that was good about Tough Luck. We need so, a lover tonight. No, tonight, 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 tonight. It was really heavy. Anyway, right. so that's our pick of the week. Uh, Ian, I think we jabbed way too much this week. I really wanted to play some Motley Crue bootlegs. Well, uh, we still we got a lot to go here. No, we're 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 done. I mean, as far as like 
you know, the, the guy wants two hours. We're almost at two hours. So if you want to keep going, we can keep talking well, and play well, no I mean, music. We got fan of the week and we got all kinds of other shit. So there's going to be no music this week. Right? Oh, that's fine. That's okay. fine. All right. Uh, maybe in a future episode, I'll play you some. Hey, what you've been. Okay, since we're not playing it, what you've been hearing under us during the show was a bootleg from. Let me look at it here. This was from. Uh, Fresno, California, 1985. And if you look, Ian, we're on webcam. See that? It's an nice. actual, it's an actual, real bootleg. That looked pretty. From the 80s, from from yeah. there, it was a re, uh, bootleg record company called Flashbacks. Nice. That, that would release bootleg CDs, and this is really good sounding. And I wanted to play it after our review, but we talked too much. All right. All right. Well, uh, let's go into fan of the week, I guess, or whatever. All right. Fan of the week, we have to go to awesome dude, a Midwest man like myself, Shane Bear. I think Shane, you're from Wisconsin. Uh, Shane shares a link to our show every week. Very, very faithfully shares our show, and I appreciate that, brother. I really do. He's a Midwest metalhead, just like me, even though I live in New Orleans now. Uh, and dude, Shane, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, spread the word. You know, now that we're on thatmetalstation.com, we're going to get even bigger. But it's thanks to word of mouth and friends like you why we've got even this far. So thank you, Shane. Thank you, Shane. I really appreciate you plugging our show every week. And you deserve the title of Fan of the Week. Right on, bro. All right. And I also want to talk about the links on the page. If you come to our Podbean homepage, there's plenty of links right there on the right side of the page. We have our Amazon link. Please, if you want to support the show, you like any of the albums we're talking about, or you want to buy anything off of Amazon.com, please use our link. You can buy whatever you want, but the proceeds from that help out the show doesn't cost you a fucking penny more. We also have links to our Facebook page, our iTunes page, our YouTube page, Rouse Two Bands, Thrash or Die, and Combat. There's a link to that, metalstation.com. There's also a link to Podcast Addict. If you're a fan of this show, you're not one of those Apple dudes, uh, you're an Android person, get Podcast Addict. All you gotta do is type in Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hit subscribe, you get every episode uploaded to your phone or any Android device you have. And as we're getting so many new listeners this week because we are on that metalstation.com, check out our past episodes. This will be our 41st episode. We have a shitload before this that are awesome, awesome fucking episodes. You know what, check it out. It might not be the band you love, might not be your favorite album, but check it out because there is something on every episode. If you're a metal fan, you're going to find something on every episode here that you like. Definitely check out the Facebook page. All you got to do is, is send a request. We'll take you in. So much awesome shit. Our fans have totally taken over the Facebook page. They post news stories every day. I post pictures every day. I post videos. Ralph posts stuff on there. 
It's it's an awesome community of rock and metal fans. Please come on the Facebook page and talk to us. Let us know what you want. Is there an album that you really want to hear us talk about? Put it up there. Let us know. Chances are we're probably going to fucking review it. So there's, there's so much, so many advantages of coming on the Facebook page. But definitely check that out, the, the iTunes. And if you go on iTunes, hit subscribe. Because that's the way to make... We're definitely going to grow bigger because we're on that metalstation.com. But come on to iTunes, leave a review, subscribe to us on iTunes. Because that's how you get bigger and bigger in this world, unfortunately, is all iTunes. But I got a feeling we're going to get there anyway because we're on... That metalstation.com. That's right, man. Proud, proud to be. You know how cool is that, Ian, dude? It's just two, we're just two boneheads that love to talk metal, and we, we and our shit's blown up because all you people listening right now have like spread the word, and now like this guy that runs an internet metal station that rules, by the way, yeah. uh, wants us to be part of it. And you know, I mean, look. Uh, we should talk about this, you know. We we we, uh, you know, he wants he wants it a certain way, and we want it. You know, we want to keep the dignity of the show. And the guy was cool enough to let us have our cake and eat it too. Nothing's gonna change. We're still on Podbeam on iTunes, but now we're another outlet where this guy's airing it at certain times, which is awesome. I think it's great. Oh. For- Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Once again, we got to give a shout-out to Scott Green and all he's done with that metalstation.com. They have all kinds of different shows, different DJs. You know, check it out. If you're a metal fan, thatmetalstation.com, check it out. Listen to it. You're going to get classic metal artists. You're going to get local metal artists. I mean, it's just a great, great fucking station, a great website, and we are very proud to be part of it. And it's another way to meet new fans. And it's we couldn't be more proud to be part of ThatMetalStation.com. So check it out. We are going to be on ThatMetalStation.com 12 p.m. on Sundays at 12 midnight on Thursdays. Eastern time, right? How's that no, work? I believe Central. Okay, all right. I, 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 I could be wrong. But just in case I'm wrong... Go, go to the station. Yeah, listen to thatmetalstation.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to make sure you hear the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and all the awesome shows that are on. I also believe that Rock Show with Joe and Gully, friends of this show, are going to be on thatmetalstation.com. That's amazing. And also, tune in now to thatmetalstation.com. Sure, they're playing something kick-ass, and you might hear one of our promos that me and Ian did earlier today that took us about 20 minutes because we kept fucking it up. But we, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to I'm gonna edit it to put the good ones up. And maybe one day I'll play all the fuck-up ones as for our shits and giggles. Yeah. At and least it, I'm, I'm drunk. I have an excuse. Exactly. All right. Well, if you like this episode, be sure to tune in next week when our special guest star is TV's Tony Danza. What? And we, yeah. And we talk about the 1979 classic... Michael Jackson's off the wall. All right, so hey, look what I found before uh, we end the show. Let's we're gonna end the show with my version of "Knock 'Em Dead Kid" from a cover band, and uh, check it out. Uh, no rehearsals. They just asked me to come up on stage, and this is uh, my one take of doing "Knock 'Em Dead Kid" at a club like two years ago. 
All right, so see you next week there, Ian. I'm Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. That's right, and we are part of the 
Rock and Metal Combat Show here on That Metal Radio Show. <laughs> you fucked that all up. <laughs> hey, I'm Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Show here on ThatMetalRadio.com. You fucked it up again. <laughs> ThatMetalStation.com. Why don't you do that part? Hey, I'm Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck. And I'm Ian Wadley, the alcoholic of shit. <laughs> he is the alcoholic of shit. <laughs> that was my bad. All right. Take 27. All right. Here we go. Mm. Hey, it's me, Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck. And I'm Ian Wadley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. In fact, we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and you're listening to us right now on ThatMetalStation.com. You really need to stop drinking, buddy. <laughs>